I hope everyone's doing well this morning. Um, just a couple of announcements. Uh, let us welcome Pastor George and his wife Susanna, who will be preaching for us today. Um, and let's see. So Pastor Ken is in Utah visiting his future in-laws uh, this weekend. So let's keep him in our prayers. Um, this week, Tuesday, we have Sit and Be Fit at 10 o'clock. Uh, the Luke Bible study will be canceled, but if you want to come and, and fellowship with one another, you're still welcome at noon. Uh, pastor won't be back yet at that time. And then the Bible study in the evening at 7 p.m., Sean Christian will be uh, leading that. So if you want to join in via Zoom, you can do that. Um, and then upcoming events. On March 2nd, so not this Wednesday, next Wednesday is Ash Wednesday service at noon. And there is a sign-up sheet on the table in the narthex if you want to sign up to help uh, be a worship assistant. We need help with that. And I think that's about it. So, all right. Music can start. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to all heart, who, whom all hearts are open and all desires known and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you, worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Most merciful God, we, conf we confess we are bondage to sin. We have sinned against you in word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. The Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing. is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. O oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power we may be defended against all adversity, 
through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forevermore. Peace be with you. We're going to start out in a book that I don't spend a lot of time on because I skipped through it. It's just the first book, Genesis, but it's a very important book. Let's find out why it's so important. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 45, verses 3 through 15. It's on your page 75 in your pew Bible if you have one there. We'll start with Genesis 45, verse 3. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. And boy, did they get a surprise. Let's read. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years, Joseph said, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you would become destitute. You can see for yourself, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. And Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Our next uh, reading is in Psalms. It's uh, in the bulletin. You can uh, uh, speak responsibly with me and print it in your bulletin. Uh, Psalm 103, we're going to look at verse 1 through 13. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, and praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Lord works righteous and justice for, for all oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat what sins deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east from the west, 
so far has he removed our transgressions from our sins. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Um, next reading is from the first book of Corinthians. We're going to be looking at chapter 15. And uh, we'll be reading verses 21 through 26, and then we'll skip to 30, and we'll take that through 42. Um, this can also be found in your pew Bible. It's on 1790. Talks about Adam, the first and the second. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in the man all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Pick it up on 30. And as far as, and as for us, why do we endanger our, ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled, though. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be with just a seed, perhaps a wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds another. Fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and stars differ from stars in splendor. So, will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter, <laughs> chapter 6, found on 1601 in your pew Bibles. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, Turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, 
do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, all glory and honor to you, Lord. Where's the hope? Not a wishful longing for something that might happen, but a firm conviction of God's promises. Have you noticed, or am I the only one, that has recognized that more and more people are apprehensive, concerned, uneasy about the future? It is no wonder people are this way, considering what we encounter as we go about our way, as in the news these days. For example, the Rasmussen Report says that more Americans than ever, 59% now believe it's no longer possible for anyone in the United States to work their way out of poverty. Or how about uh, the CBS TV affiliate WPEC reports that a professor in Florida Atlantic University gave his class an assignment to write the name Jesus on a piece of paper, crumple it up, throw it on the floor, and stomp on it. Or how about Forbes? We are at the precipice of the greatest retirement crisis in the the history of the world. Elderly Americans, too frail to work, too poor to retire, will become the new normal for many elderly Americans. Then there is uh, Fox News. The Senate approved its first budget in four years, calling for almost $1 trillion in tax increases. Then there's this, uh, this attack on our religion published in Time Magazine's uh, website. Your child, child's religion may be a mental illness. If your child is immersed in scripture after school and prays regularly throughout the day, they may, this may be a sign of mental illness, a form of a, a obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. Enough. Now this was nine years ago that all of this happened. Has anything gotten any better? I'll let you decide. However, if you look, you'll find that there, there is no shortage of things to be concerned about. With a nation divided essentially down the middle as to what is right and what is wrong, what holds us together or unites us as one nation? Where is the hope? As much as it seems that the world has gone crazy, there's one thing to remember. God is on his throne. He's in control. He was, it is, and always will be king. There is hope. King Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastics, was correct when he observed that there's nothing new under the sun. What was, will be, and there always will be. The world is not much different in Jesus' time under the Roman rule There was a redistribution of wealth. People were heavily burdened with taxes, unable to pay their debts, 
their lands were confiscated and they became tenants on their own property. <clears throat> the Roman elite and the temple elite, the high priest, was appointed by Rome. Together, the two of them governed both production, what would be produced, and labor, who would do what work. Just as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. The question I want to explore today is, what is the answer to all this? Where is the peace? And more specifically, where's the hope? The hope is not in who we elect to office. It's not in what laws we pass or what great things we do as a nation. When, you, when looking at, for answers, it's always good and best to go to the source, God's Word. 1 John 2, verse 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. In order to live as Jesus did, we need to know how he handled all of these kinds of situations. First, let me ask you one question. Did Jesus and his disciples turn the world upside down? Obviously, the answer is yes. In fact, from God's perspective, they turned it right side up. What influence did Jesus and his disciples have on their Roman society? They couldn't vote because there were no elections. They had no say in what laws were enacted. And as a nation, Israel failed to carry out its calling of sharing the good news, of being a blessing to all the nations. So you can see that whatever they accomplished, they did not do it by electing good leaders or passing great laws or by great national deeds. What was it they accomplished? What was so antithetical, opposite to, or better from how the world was? First, they eliminated the stratification of society. Within the church, there is no distinction of person, Colossians 3.11. It does not matter if you are a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. This was not the case in Roman society. There was a pecking order, and you dare not forget your place in it. Consider how they elevated the status of women as an equal in marriage, Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. In the same way, husbands, you ought to love your, their wives as they love their own bodies. For what man loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Before Jesus came along, women were chattel possessions to be owned and used. Jesus and his disciples elevated them to equals. Jesus taught that all life was precious. The Romans had a practice of discarding their babies, especially if they were girls because boys were preferred, or if they were diseased. Their practice was to just throw them by the roadside or throw them into the river. Fortunately, the Christians adopted those children and raised them as their own. Jesus and his disciples demonstrated true love. They were other-centered love as opposed to self-centered like we see in today's society. At Pentecost, the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had, Acts 2, 45. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They put the need of others ahead of their own. Jesus demonstrated true love when he voluntarily hung himself on the cross, putting our need ahead of his own. In doing these things, they brought hope to a lost world, a world filled with corruption, immorality, idol worship, and so on. They brought hope of a right relationship with Almighty God. Jesus and his disciples completely tr transformed the Roman Empire in a mere 300 years without any military battles. Of course, that means that they had to share God's word and love for him with their children and inspire them to pass it on to their children, etc., because nobody lives for 300 years. How did they accomplish so much with no apparent means of influencing how Roman culture conducted itself? 
It wasn't by oh, who they elected or what laws were invoked or what great national deeds they did. How did they do it? Where's the hope? They were in the world, but not of it. They were salt and light to the world. They distinguished themselves from the world by doing what was right, according to God, the creator of all things. They were obedient and faithful in imitating Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, in, a, in word, in deed, in pure thought. Jesus revealed God, to the, God the Father to the world around him by reflecting him in his character and his conduct to the disciples and the world around the disciples did the same thing. Godliness was how they accomplished so much. Where's the hope? Where's the peace? The hope and the peace are in us. It is the power of God working in us, through us, by his Holy Spirit. As believers that we are given the Holy Spirit to indwell us in 2 Corinthians 5.5, 5, God himself has prepared for us this eternal life as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit and empowered us to work out our salvation. The Holy Spirit is given as a guarantee of that promise. I can hear somebody saying in their mind, what do you mean working out? I thought I was already saved. If you turn it to Philippians 2, 12 and 13, work hard to show your, the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Or as stated in another translation, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Did you catch what it said in verse 13? God is giving us the desire and the power. What's in view here is our sanctification. When we were saved, we were declared justified, not guilty, right with God. But that's not the end of it. Sanctification is a lifelong process. A process of what exactly? Of conforming our lives to the image of Jesus Christ. It is the process of conforming our lives to our legal status. Justified, not guilty, right with God. That we received when we were saved. Romans 8:29. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Our salvation is, just, is not just about the renewing of our mind. It's changing our thoughts about what is right or merely agreeing with God's word. We are to be doers of the word, reflecting Jesus, God, to the world around us. James 1, 22 through 24 don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Or in another translation, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. He is not leaving us to do this on our own. He has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us. So our ability to bring hope to our families and our communities is to do what Jesus' disciples did and sanctify yourself. Becoming Christ-like with the help of the Holy Spirit so we can live exemplary lives and demonstrate the love of God to those around us. The hope is in us. It is the power of God working through his Holy Spirit to bring God's kingdom here on earth. How do we work out our sanctification? For us to work out our sanctification to become like Christ, we need to know what the, the requirements are. The requirements are found in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and is charged with revealing the mind of God. Paraphrase from John 16, 13. Therefore, thereby revealing all truth and teaching us all things just because the Holy Spirit is in charge with our working out our sanctification. We cannot just sit back and say, sanctify me. This is where the working out of our salvation comes. It become, to become doers of the word, we need to undergo a complete transformation. The renewing of our mind, our character, and our conduct is a package deal. This entails reading God's work to discover what the requirements are and seeking the Holy Spirit's help in making the transformation. Or another way of saying this, 
become students of Jesus so that you can become an admirer of his and pay him a compliment by imitating him. The Apostle Paul does a great job of giving his congregation do's and don'ts or for righteous living in his letters to them. I don't have time to go over all of them here. However, however there are a couple of references to get you started. Look at any good study Bible and open any of, the, of Paul's letters. The outline in the front will guide you to the correct area in that letter. Try Hebrews 13 or Colossians 3, 1 through 4, 18. Or Philippians 1, 27 through 2, 18. It's a good start. Paul tells us, his congregation, that his goal is for them to be completely sanctified on the day of Jesus' return, that they may be found blameless. Even though it is the Holy Spirit's job to sanctify us, we need to seek it out. Have you ever given unsolicited advice or received it? It usually raises more animosity than it does reception, right? We need to ask him so that he's giving us what we're looking for, not imposing on us. Invite the Holy Spirit to point out the areas in us that need change and then work on changing them. This requires us to step out in faith, to take a chance, start small, say controlling your temper when somebody cuts you off in traffic, bless them you know, with a... Uh, God, help them to drive safer and, and be more calm or whatever, but instead of cursing at them. It's, it may be hard at first, but it becomes easier as you practice it. The Holy Spirit will empower us to succeed. If we never step out and make an effort to transform our lives, we will never experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Taking advantage of the Holy Spirit's enabling power is like having a car with a gigantic engine in it. And you're sitting in it, the key's on, the motor's running, and you're not going anywhere. You can turn the steering wheel all you want. You can rev up the engine up and down. But in the end, nothing's changed except the energy you put into turning the wheel and pressing on the gas pedal. It's not until you put it in gear that the gas pedal and the steering wheel work and you get somewhere. The same way with our sanctification until we step out and actually engage the Holy Spirit in changing our lives, transforming them, can real change happen. I mean, we can attend church every Sunday, read the Bible six hours a day and even pray for four hours a day, attend every Bible study and even tithe 50% all sorts of activities and not change the way we need to be mind, character, and conduct we have to put it in gear and release the brake and take deliberate steps to change then we'll become empowered I, like the Apostle Paul, I'm not saying that I've achieved it I mean this is a lifelong process I've had my, my moments I've had a friend pull me into and two other of my friends into a senior pastor's office to discuss what he felt was a wrong done by the three of us. The four of us were sitting on the couch across from the senior pastor, and after a while I got up and I had my finger in his face, giving him what for. And in mid-sentence, I, I stopped and changed and said, no, no, if you see me doing something offensive to you, please love me enough to correct me. That was the Holy Spirit changing my attitude, my mind, my attitude, my response. Yeah, he confronted me right in mid-sentence. One of the Proverbs tells us that a righteous man will receive a rebuke and gain wisdom. The fool will ignore it and gain folly. On another occasion, you know how after a meeting, a Bible study or whatever, you get together and you all hold hands and you're praying, each person's praying in order. Well, in one of those situations, I was down the line and I'm thinking, boy, I'm going to, this was early in my walk, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to blow their socks off with this tremendous prayer. And so I'm formulating this, not listening to what they're praying about. And when it got to me, I opened my mouth 
And that's what happened. I couldn't say a word. Again, convicted by the Holy Spirit on the spot. So if you pay attention and you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in all righteousness, He will. It's just a matter of asking Him to do it and then being observant of His actions in your life. Now, I could go on, you know, hours and hours, but I'm told that uh, he'll turn the sound off on me if I do. So, <laughs> besides, it's not about me. It's about what God is prepared to do for you and through you. The hope is in God's transforming work, his power in our lives. Standing stones, as it says in the Bible, testimonies to God's working in us that sets us apart from the chaos of the fallen world and holds out a promise to all who believe the hope of peace. The hope is in us, not in our own wisdom, power, or might, but in God's working through us. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit living in you and invite Jesus to live through you. Give him control. Live up to your congregation's name, Reformation. Renew your covenant with God and be the church. Be the hope. Please bow your heads in prayer. Since we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, therefore, let us put on the full armor of God Heavenly Father, gird our loins with the belt of truth, the only truth we have, you. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, the only righteousness we have, that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to put on the helmet of salvation and help us to hold on to everything pure and good, throwing away everything evil. Shot our feet with the gospel of peace that we might proclaim it wherever we go. And the shield of faith, give us the strength and agility to wield it untiringly, to deflect and quench every flaming arrow of the enemy. And the sword of the Spirit, may it always be at the ready. And finally, Lord, clothe us in your kindness, your humility, your meekness, your patience, your long-suffering, and wrap it all up in your agape love, the bond of perfection, that we may reflect in our lives as we go about it, you, in the most favorable light, bringing glory and honor to both you and your kingdom. For thine is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus' name. His 
His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart His wounds have paid my ransom Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer But this I know have paid my ransom Join me in confessing the tenets of our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended in the hill. And the day rose again. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty and Heavenly Father, we gather this morning to praise your holy name and appeal to your mercies by our prayers perfected through your Holy Spirit and by the grace of your Son, Jesus, who stands as Redeemer before you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of the blessings you've provided us, and we ask your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and focus our hearts and minds on those blessings, even in the face of the darkness and chaos our sins have brought about in our daily lives. Thank you for our moderate weather, abundant food and clothing, and friends and family. We thank you for our church family and pastor who keeps us focused on the saving grace of your only Son and our Redeemer, Jesus. Thank you for providing Pastor Hines as our worship leader this morning. We appreciate his calling to your service and his willingness to share his faith with us this morning. We pray for safe travels for those in our congregation and in our families this week, especially Pastor Ken and his family as they travel to Utah to meet their future in-law relatives as their son John prepares to marry in April. We pray for your divine healing of the sick, distraught, lonely, and troubled in our midst. Please help us attend to the needs of those around us above the needs of ourselves. You already know our constant personal prayers regarding the hypocrisy, lies, and deceit of our government representatives. 
We know that our sinful nature and ignorance of your ways or refusal to follow in your path have plunged our nation into chaos and unbridled crime. We thank you for exposing our leadership failures to our general public and pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us back onto the path you have created for us. Please bring wisdom to our leaders and to our citizens as we struggle with the mess we have caused. We especially pray that our young children and young adults can clearly see our failures in our behavior towards one another and turn away from the hate, selfishness, and destruction perpetuated and amplified through the darkness and anonymity of social media. We pray for all leaders of nations throughout the world. As rumors of war surround the globe, we know that the peoples of nations generally want to live in peace, but the greed of governments often leads to death and destruction. Holy Father, we know this is nothing new to humankind, but we pray for the sake of peaceful citizens everywhere that you would intervene and dissuade from conflict or remove warmongering leaders wherever they prosper. Lord God Almighty, we're humbled, awed, and fearful of the power of your creation. We are thankful to you for diminishing the destructive nature of the COVID virus and for teaching us to trust in your power and that you hear and answer our prayers in your time and in accordance with your plan, not ours. A lesson often very hard for us to accept. We pray for the safety of our military members, police and law enforcement officers who stare into the face of evil every day. We also pray for the safety of firefighters, paramedics, and emergency medical professionals. We pray for the safety and honor of all athletic competitors in the Olympic Games. Help us celebrate young athletes of all nations who exhibit the marvels of human accomplishment while demonstrating the best of sportsmanship, even when tempted by corrupt managers and government representatives. Thank you especially and always for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. As we leave the sanctuary today, we pray that we remember for more than a few minutes that we are all part of the body of Christ and are his representatives. As Christians, Holy Spirit, help us curb our thoughts and tongues and not return anger for anger, but act as Jesus would want us to. Help us leave as better Christians this morning than when we arrived. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Share the peace with those around you. <laughs> peace be with you guys. The Lord be with you. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, and, make, and maker of all things. Through your goodness we have blessed us with gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service to dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gives himself, Christ, Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, for the glorious resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the true Pascal Lamb, who gave himself to take away our sins, who in dying has destroyed death, and in rising has brought us to eternal life. 
and so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with the earth and the sea and all the creatures and all the angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God, power and might, heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord and Savior was betrayed, he took the bread, gave thanks and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after the, the meal, he took the cup of wine and says, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Join me in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And you, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And for you it's not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The table is set. All are welcome. Will the communion service please come forward and follow the instructions of the ushers.
bless you and keep you. May he smile on you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh what a of glory divine Heir of salvation Purchase of God Born of His Spirit Washed in His blood This is my story This is my song Savior, am 